I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Welcome to episode number two of the Turn on the Jets 2019 offseason roundtable. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And this week, we are going to lead off the roundtable with a guy who you can stand up at the gates of hell, and he won't back down. A little Tom Petty reference there, because he and I have had a little inside gag going about the Tom Petty-John Mayer debate for a while, so I figured I'd throw a little Tom Petty reference in there. He's Daryl Slater's partner on the beat for the New York Jets at NJ.com, and does a great job over there. He's no stranger to this podcast, and I'm glad that he could join me for a couple of minutes to talk about the Jets' off-season plans. Mr. Matt Stipulkowski. Matt, what's going on, man? Uh, not too much, Scott. How you guys doing today? I can't complain. Listen, I'm not in the Midwest right now facing negative 57 degrees, so how upset could I be, right? Yeah, exactly. Just a little mild, by comparison, cold weather out here. I will uh, absolutely take anything in the positive temperatures right about now. That's for damn sure. I was joking the other day that it was 40 degrees, and I was like, man, did somebody move us to Arizona and not tell me this is the warmest I think I remember it being in however long this late in the season. I'm not going to complain about it, though, and I'm going to stop talking about it because I don't want to jinx it. So I'm going to talk about something else that I don't think I can jinx because they jinx themselves constantly, and that would be the New York Jets. Let's start with the very first item here. Mike McCagnin stays... What do you think about that? Good move, bad move? Definitely not a surprising move. Obviously something that you know, basically everyone on the beat saw coming all year long. Um, not a big surprise. Uh, whether it's a good or bad move, obviously, I guess we'll find out over the next few years. Um, but based on kind of his track record the last handful of years, obviously those first few draft classes McCagnin had were uh, – not the strongest, I suppose you can say, if you're trying to be uh, generous to him. Uh, the 2018 draft class looks stronger at this point. Still a little too early to fully judge it, but uh, I'll go with I'll go with a questionable decision at this point. Um, I don't want to kind of judge him too early. There's still time for him to turn it around, but obviously this offseason is going to be a big determining factor for McCagnin. Uh, he has to get a lot of moves right this year to turn this team around and make this roster competitive and viable in the short term. And, uh, you know, he has not done a great job of building the roster over the last four years. So now it's, it, he's kind of getting into crunch time here and we will see, uh, just how this whole dynamic plays out between him kind of being four years in, but having a head coach that's new and how much leech, leash each one of them has given and, you know, how closely they're tied together. Uh, it's going to be kind of interesting to watch over the next couple of years here. Speaking of the new head coach, that is Adam Gase. He was hired after Todd Bowles was relieved of his duties. What do you think of the Jets hiring Adam Gase fresh off that stint in Miami? And also, do you get the sense that he was one of the top candidates on their list, or were they settling? Uh, I, I do get the sense that they like Gase a lot. I think that they like his uh, quarterback experience. Uh, obviously, there's debate out there about you know just how much experience that really is. You know, working with. Peyton Manning and Jay Cutler and guys like that. I mean, Gates himself kind of admitted that he's never worked with a quarterback this early in his career like Donald. So 
it's going to be a new challenge for him. But I do think that the Jets like some of his past work with quarterbacks, and uh, that's a big reason for why they kind of went to that well. Um, again, I, I, I guess I will lean towards giving him the benefit of the doubt at this point and say good hire, though there are certainly plenty of red flags about the, the time in Miami, the, the fact that they didn't really get the job done down there during his few years, uh, you know, some of the reports about kind of dissent in the locker room with him, all that stuff is nerve-wracking if you're a Jets fan. Um, you have to hope that he's learned his lesson, uh, you know, despite the fact that he was only out of work for a few weeks, I suppose. Uh, you know, not exactly a whole lot of time to learn the lessons. But uh, I, I think the thing that you got to kind of hang your hat on if you're a Jets fan is the fact that the, the personnel in Miami was never all that stellar. I mean, Ryan Tannehill is probably not going to win anyone any sort of Super Bowls or, or consistently win the AFC East. Um, so you got to hope if you're a Jets fan that Gase's uh, talents working with quarterbacks and a good offense were just kind of squandered by the roster he had in Miami and, and hope that he's going to have uh, a better roster to work with in New York and, and hopefully kind of get things done that way. Yeah, Matt, I would be very surprised if Sam Darnold doesn't end up being an upgraded quarterback over Ryan Tannehill. But either way, he's going to need some help because he can't do it by himself. And that's going to start with free agency, which comes up in March. So let's talk about that a little bit. We know how much money the Jets have to spend. It's a lot. And we know that Le'Veon Bell is a name that's been talked about. So we'll save him for last. Before we get to Le'Veon Bell, though, what are your thoughts on what the Jets should and will do in free agency this offseason? I would say, first and foremost, I mean, the, the two biggest needs that they have are in the pass rush and on the offensive line. And obviously, one of those things is, is easier to kind of fill than the other. Uh, the pass rush, there should be some more options for them in free agency than there are on the O-line. Um, obviously, O-line, always a premium. So a, a lot of guys get locked up before they hit the open market. Um, the guys that do get out there are pretty pretty darn expensive. Uh, obviously, at this point, we don't know which pass rushers will be available. we got to wait and see, you know, Demarcus Lawrence, Clowney, uh, D. Ford, all those guys, kind of see where the franchise tag gets doled out. So the, the options could wind up a little bit more limited there, too. But uh, adding someone, uh, you know, at defensive end, uh, you know, and kind of getting some of that pressure off the edge is, is going to be big for the Jets take some of the pressure off the secondary. Uh, things were just not really balanced enough on defense this year. They need some more pressure to just kind of relieve things and, you know, make sure that plays don't always get extended. Uh, and then, obviously, up front on the offense as well. Uh, got to protect Arnold. Got to be able to establish the run game better. So uh, I would think that McCagney's first two priorities in free agent are going to be in the trenches on either side there. Uh, it's just a matter of what his options are by the time March rolls around and, uh, you know, who he targets from there. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. What about the draft? Do you get a sense that they're going to try to make a move either up or down, or that if they sit at number three that they have any specific guys in mind? I think it depends, obviously, and I suppose this isn't going to be super surprising, but it depends largely on what happens during free agency and how many holes and what holes they're able to fill during that period. I mean, 
uh, if they're able to kind of fill up on the offensive line and defensive end spots and they don't feel like they, they need to, uh, you know, go as hard at that spot early in the draft, maybe they'll be more prone to, to trading back or, uh, you know, it, it'll be interesting to watch. I, I think that at this point I wouldn't rule out, uh, you know, a few options there. You could go edge rusher there. You could go offensive line, though, based on kind of the projections of my, you know, mock drafts and stuff like that at this point. Uh, Jonah Williams or, or Greg Little, the kind of top two offensive tackles, they're probably a little bit uh, lower in the draft order than number three. The Jets could probably trade back to get them. So, I mean, really at three, you might be looking at an edge rusher or uh, Quinton Williams, defensive tackle from Alabama. Uh, otherwise, you know, they, they could probably slide back a little bit, uh, assuming things don't change too much over the next couple months to pick up an offensive lineman if they want to go in that direction. So, uh, again, a lot of things still fluid here. I would say, I guess if you pin me down on it right now, I think I would lean towards uh, Quinn and Williams from Alabama at that spot just because I think this, the shift to a 4-3 is going to put a little bit more emphasis on that spot, and they could probably use some help on the interior line. Uh, but again, who knows? They could reinforce that during free agency and uh, you know shift some of their current personnel around to kind of help with that spot as well, you know, Leonard Williams shifting inside, stuff like that. So uh, it's tough to kind of nail it down right now, but those are the three big options, edge rusher, offensive line, and defensive tackle at at number three. I'm kind of with you on Quinn and Williams. I feel like if Bose is off the board, which I expect, but you never know, crazier things have happened, and the Mm -hmm. Jets don't make a move out of three and are sitting there and Quinn and Williams is there, I just think especially with the move to the 4-3, getting him would be a priority, especially considering that they play Tom Brady twice a year and a guy like Quinn and Williams is ideally suited to bother somebody like Tom Brady. You have him and Leonard Williams in those spots and now all of a sudden you're cooking with gas and as much as it's unpleasant for a Jets fan to think about drafting a defensive lineman again, I think that given what I just said and the fact that Williams is far and away better than anybody else that would be on the board, it's kind of something that you would have to do if you don't trade down. But we'll have to wait and see. We'll also have to wait and see what the Jets do with the rest of their picks. They don't have a second rounder, but they do have two thirds and the rest of their picks. So what do you see them doing as far as filling out the rest of their draft picks? Any particular guys in the mid rounds that you think could wet their beak a little bit? You have to imagine that the Jets are going to go after some some wide receivers. Uh, they've struggled drafting wide receivers over the last handful of years. Uh, you might remember Chad Hampton, Ardarius Stewart, some guys <laughs> like that. Uh, that's kind of hurt the depth at wide receiver uh, over the last few years here. So uh, would not be surprised to see them uh, go target some wide receivers in the mid-rounds, uh, you know, especially considering they have those two third-round picks. I know kind of some of the names that pop up a lot out there, uh, you know, uh, Debo Samuels and the, you've got uh, Stills from West Virginia. And there's, you know, a handful of uh, quality wide receivers that could kind of be floating around uh, in the third round area. Um, and then again, I mean, from there, it kind of depends a little bit on what they do in free agency, obviously, uh, you know, depending on what holes they fill, but kind of the, the other needs there. I mean, you could add some offensive line depth for sure in, in the middle and late rounds. Uh, you could grab some cornerbacks, perhaps, uh, you know, depending on what happens with Screen and Claiborne and, uh, you know, who the Jets do or don't sign to replace those guys. Uh, and then, of course, I know you said we're going to talk about Le'Veon Bell and the running back situation later as well, but, uh, you know, maybe they roll the dice on another mid-round running back, though. I 
suppose they already kind of have two of those in Elijah McGuire and Trent Cannon. So uh, they have options, but I would think that at somewhere uh, somewhere in those mid-rounds, wide receiver has got to be one of the priorities just to try to find some more targets for Sam Darnold to throw to here. One of those targets could be Le'Veon Bell, although he's not a wide receiver. He's a great route runner and a heck of a weapon in the passing game. Actually, a really good blocker in the passing game, too. So even if he's not the intended target, he's somebody that's great with blitz pickups, especially for a running back. He's a guy that's going to be a free agent, and he's a supremely talented player. Doesn't come without baggage, don't get me wrong, but he's a guy that most years you would not expect to be on the open market. The Jets desperately need weapons for Sam Darnold, as you were saying, Matt. So do you think that they're going to make a big run at Le'Veon Bell, and at the end of the day, do you think they get a deal done? So I would be stunned if they don't kick the tires, obviously. The Jets kind of love to make their, their due diligence phone calls and check in on everyone. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see how this unfolds just because, uh, you know, Bell is obviously the, the highest impact player out there this off season. I, I think that's pretty unanimous. Uh, he's a guy that kind of would bring the, the most initial jolt and kind of really spruce things up quickly. But, uh, there's always the ongoing debate about how much impact a running back really can have on a roster and, you know, especially over the long term here. I mean, the Jets could just as easily go after, some cheaper options. Uh, you've got Coleman and you know a handful of other kind of uh, you know Mark Ingram types and stuff like that, where they're they're a half step, a step below Bell, and uh, they still provide some pop, and you kind of get it done with a platoon, you know, a couple of guys instead of a feature back in Bell. So they have some other options out there. Um, it's just a matter, I think, of you know how much McCagan kind of wants to spruce things up right away and, and really. Uh, you know, compliment Darnold really quickly. And, you know, if, if they're really bent on trying to get to the playoffs next season immediately, Bell might be their best option to just kind of really speed this turnaround up. But uh, in the long run, you know, the question is, do they really need a Le'Veon Bell type for the next four, five, six? You know, obviously the contract's not going to be that long. But, you know, do you really need a guy like that for the long haul is the question. And, and, is the price tag going to be worth it? McCagney always talks about the fact that he wants to build this roster to kind of be sustainable and, uh, you know, last for a long time and, you know, build it the right way is kind of his favorite catchphrase. So uh, I will be interested to see. I, I expect that they will certainly be talking to Bell. Uh, I would be stunned if they don't. Uh, McCagney is going to have some pressure on him to, to start turning this thing around, but uh, I would not be surprised if they wind up eventually going in a different direction just because uh, McCagney's kind of his mantra, like I said, building it the right way and kind of making this thing sustainable. Uh, it it kind of remains to be seen how Bell would fit into that, uh, you know, that ethos going forward. Matt, let's talk trade market. A couple of guys whose names have been thrown out there as potential targets, Antonio Brown, A.J. Green, there are some others. Anybody you think the Jets might take a look at in the trade market? I think you kind of nailed it there with the wide receivers. I mean, that's one of those things where the Jets obviously need a, a number one target for Sam Donald, and uh, that has got to be a priority for them. And uh, as much as you can kind of try to find that in the draft, and like we said, they might try to use some mid-round picks potentially on a wide receiver, there's no guarantee, obviously, that a, a third-rounder, a fourth-rounder, something like that will, will turn into a, a top-flight wide receiver. So I would think that... Uh, Antonio Brown, A.J. Green, Mike Evans, those types of guys would be uh, on their radar for trades. Whether the 
the package that they would have to give up uh, winds up, you know, actually matching with what McCagney would want to trade away. All that remains to be seen. Uh, I would think, just kind of off the top of my head here, that A.J. Green might be the best fit just because Antonio Brown is probably going to, you know, require a King's ransom to get him. Uh, I imagine the Buccaneers aren't going to give away Mike Evans for cheap, given how he did this season. Green kind of, you know, his stock might be, uh, you know, down a little bit just because of how this year went for him. And uh, his contract is not outrageous for next year. So uh, they might be able to get him a little bit more cheaply and make him a little bit more attractive to McCagnin. But, uh, you know, again, it's going to be interesting to see kind of which direction they go here. All these pieces between free agency, the trade, the draft, you know, everything's kind of interconnected. So we're going to have to see kind of where he focuses his priorities and kind of how the money and the chips fall from there. Matt, last question, and this has nothing to do with the actual on-field product, but a lot of speculation with the new uniforms. Any idea what's going to end up happening? No, man, I, I have no idea, though I, I enjoy seeing everyone's little mock-ups on Twitter and stuff. Some of them look cool, but, uh, you know, I am firmly in the camp that, you know, we'll wait until April, I suppose, is kind of when the jerseys are normally released, and I guess we'll judge them from there. Um, you know, hopefully they come out looking cool. Everyone wants the team to look cool, I suppose, but we'll, uh, we'll see what happens. I mean, no real, uh, genuine genius insight from me here as to, you know, what kind of logo the Jets are going to be using or anything like that going forward. We're going to have to wait and see if there's something that the fan base can live with. I've said many times, I don't really care as long as the team wins, but this means a lot to a lot of people, so the Jets better not mess this up is all I could say. Otherwise, they're going to have a bit of a PR problem on their hands. He is one half of the greatest tag team on the Jets beat right now. I like to say they're like the Legion of Doom of Jets beat writers, Daryl Slater and my man, Matt Stipulkowski. Matt, thanks so much for coming on. Before you go, why don't you let everybody know about some of the great work that you've got up right now at NJ.com. I saw that you had a couple of really interesting pieces up at the moment. Yeah, appreciate it. Yeah, uh, just head to uh, NJ.com slash Jets, or you can hit my Twitter as well. It's M underscore Stipulkowski, S-T-Y-P-U-L-K-O-S-K-I. Posting stuff on there. Uh, got a little look today at, uh, you know, kind of why the Jets find themselves in the cap situation they do. Uh, we're going through and looking at some of their free agent situations, options for draft picks, you know, every, all the look ahead stuff, kind of taking it position by position and laying it out, you know, you know, what wide receivers could they pursue and what are kind of the upsides of each guy, same at running back, same at, uh, you know, offensive line. And we've got some more of those to come. I know next week I'll be taking a look at, uh, kind of the cornerback situation and stuff like that. And, Soon enough, we'll have combine previews and all of that good stuff as well. So uh, looking forward to seeing how the offseason plays out and hope everyone's willing to follow along and read me and Dale's stuff as we go. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. <laughs> 
Next up on the round table, one of my favorite Jets writers, but unfortunately, because he's so busy all the time, we don't get his thoughts enough, so I'm glad that he was able to join me. He's a senior writer at TurnOnTheJets.com. You can find his prolific thoughts on Twitter. He doesn't make a lot of podcast appearances, but he's doing it today because he loves me that much. Either that or because I asked and he happened to be free. One or the other, you decide. <laughs> Mr. David Aiken. David, what's going on, man? What's going on, Scott? Definitely the former. You know, I love you. I'm back. <laughs> ready to talk Jets. A lot going on. I'm excited. Let's do it, man, because I've been reading your tweets, and they've been cracking me up, and I miss reading your long-form columns, so I'm glad to have you on to give your long-form thoughts and audio form on what the Jets have already done and what they're going to do in the offseason the rest of the way. So let's start with the beginning of this, which is Mike McCagnin being retained. You've been a critic of Mike McCagnin, so I'm assuming that you're not thrilled about this, but on a scale of 1 to 100, just how not thrilled are you? Uh... <laughs> probably somewhere i mean for being really honest maybe like a 70 80 at least enough leaving enough wiggle room that you don't you don't get perfect information as a fan maybe i mean i said before and it's not it's maybe, maybe it's a cop-out maybe it isn't you never know how much the previous staff had to say how much was given it to them that, that's a possibility we don't know um that changes obviously with the staff and then there's just kind of the more negative point of view and that he's like the typical Typical front office executive, he's very much, you know, NFL circles love him, they'll back him. And, you know, there's that kind of community. Everyone mostly thinks the same, so maybe it all just comes down to luck and all that kind of stuff. You know, getting draft high draft picks enough, you know, eventually enough big spending sprees, pay off, whatever. But, I mean, we're at a situation really where the head coaching search, and I'm sure we're going to talk about that soon too, but that was so crazy and was such like a fun time thing to follow. They kind of got swept under the rug that McCagan not only was retained, he like ostensibly got promoted too. He was involved with it, which he wasn't, he wasn't involved with bowls. And it sounds like he has, I don't, I don't remember actually if he had control over the, the final 53 with bowls. I don't believe he did, but that's something he now has with Gase as well. So it's a situation where not only was, you know, should he be retained or not? It's, he, the answer in, in Chris Johnson's bond was yes, and that he deserves some more power too. And you also have that quote from Chris Johnson that they were changing the power structure some way, but he wasn't going to uh, elaborate on how that was. I mean, I can't imagine a situation where that hasn't worked out in McCagney's favor too. Just That's just sensible in terms of how you'd want to run it. So, I mean, we know the track record. You can make an argument, you know, Adams looks good on his record, especially this year. And, and you know, Darnold's in the fold and that kind of, it's almost... It's like an irrational thing how much that alleviates a lot of pressure. You know, you go, you went into a last year as a fan thinking if he just gets the quarterback, you know, I can I can forgive him and I'm you know three three more years whatever to sign me up just to get the quarterback. And even now that you have him, you know, you that euphoria passes and now it's like oh my god we have the quarterback. You know, we need how are you going to do this? You know, there's these four years are precious coming up the rookie deal. It's very important that you know he's the guy to uh, to take that forward and you know you're not really sure if he is. His partner in crime is going to be Adam Gase, and you talked about the coaching search. So tell me a little bit about your thoughts on the hiring of Gase and some of the other guys around him, including the notables, Greg Williams and Dowell Loggins. Sure. I mean, we, we all have to be honest that Gase was not, you know, the most popular sought-after candidate. In fact, I, Joe Caparoso did a poll, and you know, Gase polled dead last in, you know, what I think was like the Final Four. You know, he was he trailed, uh, I believe it was Rule. You know, there's there are fans from McCarthy. You know, Monkin was a popular name. I think I believe that was after Kingsbury went to went to uh, Arizona, and Gase was you know 
trailing and fourth, you know, by and large, you know, the least popular choice. But once you have him on, you, you you have to look at it and, and you know, say, you know, what went wrong in Miami? Was it all his fault? I mean, there's a few things. You know, is it is it too simple to look at a record and say, you know, it was 23 and 25, you know, is that it? Does that mean he's a bad coach? It's not going to work. That might be too simple to say. Is it too simple to say that, you know, you get Ryan Tannehill four years into his career already? You know, can you blame him too much for not getting, you know, something more out of him? You know, I don't know if that's true. Maybe that's fair, you know, in isolation. When you look at the stuff around, you know, the stat, like players, you know, losing the locker room and that kind of thing. Is he the first coach that was kind of my way or the highway? You know, maybe not, you know, you know, some better coaches have shipped off guys, you know, that, that had disagreements with, you know, that's, I guess you can make that argument, but everything altogether, you know, it's, it's not really a good look. And I think, you know, on top of everything, he comes up with an offensive reputation, you know, that's sort of a savant that you haven't really seen outside of working with Peyton Manning. And, you know, you just, you show up, you know, you can be the coffee guy and, you know, Peyton Manning's going to make you look good. So I think there's still, there's still a lot of concern there. I think really what it comes down to is he, he takes the job so quickly. And we know we've seen Mangini, we've seen Rex, how that worked out when they left here so quickly. So there's really not much time to, to really learn from mistakes there. And then not only that, you're kind of, I mean, they helped pick, we'll get to Greg Williams in a minute, they helped pick him, and, and that's that's a, uh, it's better than Matt Burke, who he, who he had in, in Miami. That's a positive step, you know, getting someone, recognizing a flaw some, somewhere he's not going to be strong and, you know, filling that gap. But otherwise, you're sort of, I believe it was uh, when you had Travis on to talk about the Dolphins and, and Gase and what were wrong there, he mentioned that at the end of it, Gase was sort of blaming everyone but himself. And you're kind of banking on that actually being true, that really nothing nothing was wrong uh, with his, the way he did things in Miami. And it was all kind of the Miami structure, which is, I think is a, is a pretty big leap of faith to take. Um, but otherwise, the Greg Williams hire you know, was pretty necessary. I think everyone's satisfied. If if not, you know, you can be skeptical. And I'm, you know, back in my mind, I'm skeptical that, you know, it's, it'll be very explosive. You know, he was a very aggressive coordinator, which isn't something, it's not uncommon to what we've had here, uh, going back to Rex even. Um, but that that helps alleviate, you know, what's 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 the, the defensive side of the ball going to look like, um, you know, shouldn't be ignored. And there's questions over the three four four three transition. I'm I'm not too too concerned over it either way because I just like the biggest pieces in either scheme. The Jets still need they still need pass rushers. They still need corners that can that can play. But uh, otherwise, I mean, the what kind of hangs over everyone's head is that they're both Gase and and uh, and Williams are, are explosive personalities. And uh, my expectation is that there's going to be pressure to win sooner than later, no matter what Chris Johnson says. So if, if things start out slow, and especially if Donald's not playing well early on, things can get very explosive, I think, pretty quickly. And then on, on the Logan tire, or however you say it, I mean, we'll probably be talking about that so we, so we actually hear it pronounced. But um, that's you, you heard in, in Gase's press conference talking about, you know, he wants to streamline things, he wants less voices, he wants direct like the better communication from him straight to Donald the better so you knew sort of this is what you were signing up for but you still don't like to hear it given what Loggins' track record is as an offensive coordinator you know you don't like to hear he was the guy that caped for Manziel in in Cleveland and it comes back to I don't, I don't remember who wrote the article but it, it popped out around mid-season and there were quotes around Pepper Johnson and you know, criticizing how how uh, the Jets were were running things in certain ways, and how his voice wasn't heard. You think about his quote; he talks about his time in New England, and how you know every every assistant had a voice and was expected to contribute something. And it was like this, you know, 
democracy of ideas and the best ideas were going to win out. There was no kind of power of my way or the highway thing where it's, and you think that's kind of what a, what a great coach should have. This, I'm not, I don't, I'm not scared for my job. I don't fear, you know, egos. I just, I want ideas and I want to, you know, sculpt the best game plan possible. Whereas here, it just sort of feels like Gase has his way. He's doubling down on what he thinks is the best way to do it. And the law against hire is kind of cinematic of that. He doesn't want, you know, he doesn't want competing voices. He wants his voice and he wants it magnified, really. So, I mean, for better or for worse, I, I'm not very excited. I think there's reason to be kind of, uh, you know, down on it as well. But uh, I mean, it is, it is what it is at this point. I think it's mostly just if, if you're if you're all in on Gase, then you know that's that's what you're getting. <laughs> <laughs> the Pepper Johnson article that you referenced, by the way, David, was written by Dom Constantino over at Deadspin and cheap plug. Dom talked all about that on the Turn on the Jets podcast with Joe Caparoso, and it was a great episode. So if you haven't listened to it yet, go into the Turn on the Jets podcast archives on iTunes and check it out. It's well worth your time. Also well worth your time is listening to David Aiken's thoughts on what the Jets should do in free agency. So let's get to that. David, obviously $100 million in cap space, ton of money to spend. There are some notable free agents. One of them is Le'Veon Bell, so we'll get to him at the end. We'll save him for last. Who are some of the guys that you think the Jets should and will target in free agency? Uh, I mean, I think it starts on the offensive line, because I think in terms of the Jets, I mean, no one really wants to talk about who they're going to cut because they already have so much cap space. And as uh, Joe Blue has mentioned several times, they really don't have they, have a, they need to bring in a lot of players because their active roster isn't as strong or in, uh, in terms of quantity as normal. Part of the reason they have so much cap space is they don't have a lot of players active on the roster. And so part of the thing is you look at guys like uh, like Spencer Long, even Kelvin Beecham. I don't think there's a reason to get rid of him, per se. Um, even Brian Winters. They have very cuttable contracts if they did want to move on from them, in addition to Carpenter already being on the way out. So I think that's really... Like plan number one in terms of addressing needs in free agency is is you want to go after you know, offensive linemen if you can get Matt Paradis see how he recovers Mitch Morse at, at center um, I think Roger Saffold a little little on the older side and into his thirties I, I still think it's worth it on that Fanica type deal you get him for two maybe three years I think that's a perfect fit in terms of weapons that's kind of an issue there's really no you know it's it's such a a small you know dry like wide receiver class. Maybe take a shot on a guy like John Brown, who's explosive, but, you know, oft injured, or a guy like Dante Moncrief didn't really work out too well for him in his, in his one year in Jacksonville, though a lot went wrong there. I think defensively, I mean, with, with the, as, as it is right now, there's a, there's a good stock of pass rushers, and I think whatever, whatever trickles actually into free agency, you want to be in the front of the line with that cap space you want to address those needs as, as best you can because it's rare to actually be able to get a top tier pass rusher in free agency so i mean guys like Clowney, very unlikely he hits but if he does you know you go after him demarcus lawrence you know d4 these are all guys that'll upgrade tremendously in what the jets have and and can affect your draft plans for the better too so i, I think that those are those are the spots and, and i mean we don't talk enough about corner i might just be fatigued given just how you know, McCagnan has had two separate spending sprees, and and really ha- it's produced short-term results, if if uh, if any results. And I mean, you look at a guy like like Mo Claiborne might be one of the best corners on the market already. So that's kind of you know tells you what the market looks like. Um, but it is a need. So you 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 might I mean because uh, screen screen is also is, is a possible option to leave. So uh, in addition to Claiborne being a free agent, so you're looking at either you bring those guys back. 
or uh, or you play the market, and there really isn't much better on the market. So I think you're kind of stuck there. That might be something you really have to prioritize in the draft. But like I was saying, it is it is a need, regardless of whether the Jets have spent there, and you know maybe it's not a position that Jets fans want to see round one or round two if they get a if they can get back a second round pick. But um, coming back to uh, Le'Veon Bell, the star, I think the Jets should. It's, I mean, Joe Caparoso always points out it's like a unique situation. That's something I agree with. I mean, you normally, it's not something you should do, spend big on a running back, much like you shouldn't take one high in the draft. I think that's a little different because of what you could possibly otherwise get at the top of a draft versus what you can usually get at the top end of free agency. Like, Levon Bell is an elite player, regardless of position, in, his, in the prime of his career, especially after sitting out a year. Uh, that's a year of freshness. You know, there's no Le'Veon Bell equivalent at corner or at pass rusher or at tackle or on the offensive line or at wide receiver. So that's really you know, what you have to you really have to say. Well, let's just get a star. We have more money than you know what we can buy. You know, in terms of good players, really, when it comes down to, you're going to be just be taking a lot of shots. You're going to have like two, three, maybe four guys you really want to bring in, and then you're just going to have all this money left over where. You might as well take some risks. That's really what free agency is, because contracts are really not worth what they're written on in the NFL. There's always get-outs after one, maybe two years. Because of those things, Bell's a player you're going to want to go after, especially, and this is this is pivotal, and this is why, you know, as much as we clown on Saquon Barkley, you know, it's it's infinitely better than, like, the Fournette pick pr- priors that, you know, Bell's a, a star in the passing game in particular, so that is a, that is a weapon for Sam Darnold. It's not a crush for him, like, uh, you know, People say you want the you want the running game for the quarterback. Well, you're kind of taking the ball out of his hands. You want to get Sam comfortable, and you want this to be his offense. So I think that's a piece that really moves that in a positive direction. Lucky Land Casino asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. You mentioned that there aren't a lot of big-time weapons available in free agency, but what about the trade market? Any possibilities you like there? Maybe Antonio Brown, A.J. Green, somebody like that? A.J. Green is uh, it's a little concerning to me just coming off the injury. Um, Brown is interesting. You have to do your homework and, and you know, see how he, how he fits. Everything kind of seems so explosive, given the, the personalities that, co- that are coaching eventually. If, if they're going to go after Brown, though, and I suspect they might, and I, and I mean, talent-wise, talent-wise, it's a no-brainer. You know, that's that's an elite receiver for the duration of Darnold's rookie year. I, I wouldn't want to give up anything in 2019. It, it it really should be a situation where, you know, if, if compared to what the Bears did last year, where they had Trubisky and new coach, you know, they really they they fortified on defense, you know, further, you know, got some offensive pieces, and then when Khalil Mack became available. In August, obviously not the same thing because Mac is not going to be available or Brown isn't being made available starting in the summer. You know they're going to try to trade him in, in uh, this off season. You know they were able to use all their their 2019 resources and then give up picks in 2020 to get Mac. If it, if it was something like that, because you're going to ha- if you if you, <laughs> if you want Antonio Brown, you're going to have to give up the first round pick. That's the reality. I don't think you know no. I don't think you want to part with three. I w- I wouldn't do it for three. Um, but if it's a situation where you're giving up a future 2020 
you have Brown on board for the for the uh, the 2019 season in addition to what you've already invested if you don't have to give up anything in 2019 besides obviously the cap space to get him um then you're in a situation where you're you go from a possible playoff team to like you expect to be in the playoffs and then you know the 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 decrease in value and draft pick that brings anyway i I think that's that that would be the best way to do it but otherwise i you have you have you you owe it to yourself for sure to do your research on antonio brown because he's such an excellent player and and is it worth the risk honestly the back of my mind I, i i think it is if you can do it as i said get you know push decompensation off into 2020 I, I would say it's worth it but the third pick i think is too precious to give up though speaking of that third pick the jets are going to be making it at the end of april when the nfl draft comes around what do you think the jets should do with that pick and with the rest of their picks in the draft any particular players you like you kind of have to look at it in tandem with free agency they kind of they kind of work together and you say what can you get in free agency and what can you get at the draft and you know being at the top of the draft is always, is a unique position where there's you know, there's only certain player positions, rather, you could really get a nail at the top of the draft. Um, but the Jets are in a, in a position where they, at three, they can move back a little bit if possible. I would say since you're not you're not able to address corner, I know a lot of people don't want to hear it, that I, I think you can't rule it out in, in the first round, maybe not at three, but if the Jets move back, it is something to keep an eye on. If they don't come away with a top-tier pass rusher in, in free agency, I think that is nailed on what what the what the plan is at at a in the first round, whether it's at three or whether they move back a few spots. I think if they're at three, they take you know Bosa's is not, not going to fall, but if he does, I think they they run. They, you know, obviously they take him at three, no questions asked. If they're able to move back a bit. I think you look at uh, Josh Allen if he falls. I think they'd even take him at three if they're stuck there. Um, they have the kid from Florida, Florida State. There's other pass rushers out there. There's a guy from Clemson. Uh, you can tell I haven't done <laughs> too much research. I just know that the kids from the schools, but uh, yeah, I think because that that top you know fifteen twenty level of pass rusher is is, uh, is there in terms of fifteen twenty overall talent on the board, I think you can absolutely be comfortable moving back at doing so. And then depending on depending on how it works out in terms of uh, in terms of addressing the offensive line, I think you can't rule out an offensive tackle either. Uh, with that first pick, but moving moving past the first pick, you know, I would say it's either going to be a, you know a tackle, a pass rusher, or a corner. I think you have to look at those three positions, and and say those are the ones you, you're you're always going to have trouble filling, and you're in a good position to fill them right there. So you know, don't overthink it. Fill one of those spots, and the rest of the draft, I think you have to kind of overcompensate on offense and just say you know the rest of this draft, especially 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 if they're able to pick up more picks moving back. You know, use those second and third rounds to load up on on offensive skill players and and offensive linemen, especially because even if you do sign some offensive linemen, you know, a guy like Saffold, for example, or Paradis coming off the injury, these are guys entering their 30s. And, and I mean, as I mentioned before, when the Jets restocked their offensive line, they got Fanica, they got Woody. Those were older guys, and they gave you a few years. But we saw with with Damian Woody and, and Alan Fanica. You know, Fanica was gone after two years, and he was kind of on the decline anyway after two. And then Woody. You know, had his injury and kind of all of a sudden he was, you know, I'm retiring and there it was. You know, if those things can happen quickly when you have older players. You have to be prepared for that. But in general, I mean, you're you're banking on Adam Gase and you got to get him players if it's going to work. You can't just say you didn't like him. I hope it doesn't work. You have to say now that he's here, this is this is the framework that's going to work in, and you have to trust that he's the guy to do it. And he has, so because of that, you have to get him, you know, skill players in and available. The only caveat I would say in terms of more defensive players. 
is that corners like take take corners in the you know if you can third fourth round don't wait till round five round six you know you can't you can't that's the one position where you you should feel comfortable adding more clubs in the bag uh, earlier than you know day three because that's that's pretty much that's the main issue with McCagnon's corner situation is that you kind of you kind of spend on older players to do so and it's it's mostly a young man's position it's it's like one of the most athletically demanding positions on the field. So you need young, talented players there. So you can't really afford to take these shots in, you know, late day three type situations. You want to get corners in that are that are possible starters down the road. David, you mentioned getting Adam Gase some talented skill players to work with Sam Darnold. So let's circle back to the most talented skill player that's going to be available, and that's Le'Veon Bell. You talked about it a little bit, and you seem to be in favor of it. Can you expand upon why you would want the Jets to go out and get Le'Veon Bell and just how far you would be willing to go contract-wise? Sure. I mean, the contract-wise, I think you... Without getting into two specifics, I think you you can just say you want to make the most competitive offer. Whatever the most competitive offer, you should feel comfortable, you know, making it. You don't want to do anything ridiculous, like you know, guarantee things that you didn't have to guarantee or whatever. But you want to be at the front of the line, just because, especially given the market as it is at receiver and and such, you really you want to get a special player on offense, even if it's at running back, which is, you know, traditionally it's not really a position that matters. If you didn't get bell, I would say, you know, you'll get, you know, you can get Tevin Coleman, you can get marking from decent players, you know, you know, upgrades on we have, but either way, it really wouldn't matter to me too much. You can, you know, I would say then go draft someone round three, round four, whatever. But in terms of bell, you know, he's, he's such a dynamic weapon, not only as a runner, but in the passing game. And that's really, I think uh, where the difference is, you know, if if you're going to be a running back, you, if you want to be taken in the first round, if you want to have big money spent on you, you need to be. It's it's not a, it's not only like confident in the passing game. You need to be like a plus player. You need to be a guy who can split out wide, run routes, and be a threat out that way. A guy that you they can't you know you can't take you wouldn't take off the field, and a guy who's a serious threat. You know, if if you know they need to throw the ball 50 times a game, and you're only going to get you know 10 touches maybe on the ground. You know, you need to be a player that's always going to be in the game plan, no matter what what it calls for. So, in that regard, Bell is, is a special player. And in the terms of money, like, you know, it, the Jets can do it. Whoever's going to do it is going to get panned for it because that's just how the media works. The narrative's been built, and it's in, in fairness, it's it's mostly a narrative built in fact that you you, know, that you really shouldn't normally spend much on a running back because the position doesn't matter. It's easy to replace. But again, it comes back to the Jets and the situation they're in. A, a lot of cap space and Darnold's rookie deal deal provides a pretty unique situation. You know, B, what else are you going to really spend it on in terms of getting help around Darnold? You know, offensive line, yeah, but in terms of you know guys who are going to catch the ball, there really isn't anything else that that'll do so. And you know, it just comes back. <laughs> I can't really stress enough. I mean, Joe mentioned this a lot. Like, you don't really think you're going to get as much as what the cap space gives you. Like, there's there's more cap space the Jets have than there's good ways to spend it. So why not just go out and get an elite player, even if it's a little non-conventional? And you know that's two three years. You know, you can say comfortably he's going to give you as a, as a top player. And by the time he declines, you know the contract will be cuttable anyway. Is is usually how these things work. So I think it's it it benefits the Jets more than the average team at, uh, to to go after him. And I think he'd be a huge difference maker and help going forward. 
He is a senior writer over at TurnOnTheJets.com. Unfortunately, he doesn't get to write enough, just not enough time in his day, but I'm glad that he was able to make a few minutes to talk to me about what he thinks the Jets should do this offseason. And I'm glad to hear that it looks like he's got a new, we call it Aiken Bomb, when he comes out with a new (laughs) article. He's got one coming up. So, David, if you could, first of all, tell everybody where they can find you, and also, what can we expect from the latest Aiken Bomb? Sure. I'm on Twitter uh, at daiken90. That's D-A-I-T-K-E-N-9-0. Mostly it's just been trash posting and goofing on uh, <laughs> you know, press conferences and, and such and weird jokes that you know, Jets Twitter gets and no one else, everyone else think you're crazy. But um, yeah, just mostly kind of going, the, the, the idea is just you know, four or five expanded subjects of uh you know going into the gays hiring you know what you know breaking down what really you know how should we be viewing it now that he's on board you know what's what's a fair way to look at it you know as as i talked about kind of at the beginning of this there's also something on mccagnin and how you know he's spotlights off him but it really should be kind of doubled on him now that you know it's time to it's time to move. You know we need players and we need to build a team that you know we're expecting to compete sooner than later. So that really you know more than anything, it's really you know it's all his power. You know it's all his responsibility. Um, you know Greg Williams, I have something on just you know the transition to three four to four three possibly coming up is interesting and, and you know some of the the stuff there and just general uh, you know, off season strategy which we kind of talked about here. I'm gonna get into and then. You know, there's a there's just a bit on you know what the expectations should be and you know whether whether we should buy that a playoff you know no playoff mandate is something that we should uh, we should accept and, and long story short uh, spoiler no it's not <laughs> and I will uh, get into that you know a good deal in the article as well. The article's up now, so go check it out over at TurnOnTheJets.com. The Aiken Bomb lives up to the best of expectations like it always does. David, thank you so much for joining me, and thank you for listening to this edition of the Turn on the Jets Off-Season Roundtable. Be back with another one in a couple of days. In the meantime, for the latest and greatest in New York Jets content, and of course podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. 
We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChumpaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.